Happy to have you with us. This is Bills by the Numbers. We're presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. It's time to talk filling positional holes for the Bills this offseason and the best way to do it. Steve and I discuss. NFL draft analyst Dane Rudler from The Athletic joins us to break down the talent at some of Buffalo's need positions. And we'll have our one burning question. Steve, let's hit the bench press. and Bill's insider Chris Brown with you. And we're at a point in the offseason, Steve, where general managers have to begin the process of filling the positional holes on their roster. We all know free agency comes first, followed by the draft with the possibility of trades anytime. So with that in mind, Steve and I are going to assess the most glaring positional holes on Buffalo's roster and determine whether that positional hole should be filled via free agency, the draft, or both. And if we think a trade is a viable option, we'll entertain that as well. So, Steve, let's begin with an obvious position, the offensive line, specifically guard, where Buffalo has four free agents at the position. Roger Saffold, uh, Greg Van Roten, Bobby Hart, and then there's also offensive tackle David Quessenberry. How do you, GM Steve Tasker, address (laughs) offensive line? Free agency, draft, or both? Both. you got to do both. The philosophy is to get guys in the door that can really play and bring in as high a level as you can get them in the door and set them up and then fill it in with draft prospects. Um, draft this year, I think the draft is always about getting guys certainly at the top of the draft who can really compete to start right away, if not being a plug-and-play player, certainly. But in, in the, this day and age, particularly inside on the offensive line and inside on the defensive line, it's hard for those guys to come in and impact right away because they're, everything around them is such at a high level they've never faced it before, what, no matter where they played, whether right. it was Georgia, Alabama, LSU, you, know, you, know, you name any of the Power 5 conference teams. These get big guys down inside haven't faced men like they're going to face in the NFL, and it's, an, it's a learning process. But that's where you start. You get these guys with the traits, and you put, plug them in. And you're right. Um, there's only two positions for the Bills, really, that you're looking at and saying there's a stark lack of numbers, let alone good players. It's guard and it's safety. So uh, when you start talking about it, it's an offensive league. It's a throwing league. you got to score points, and it starts up front on your offense, and, and that's where the Bills are at right now. You're right. I think if, if you're a Bills fan, you're looking at the – college interior line prospects before you look at wide receiver or safety or anything else yeah and as we said from a sheer numbers perspective the position has to be addressed so yes i think the answer is both and we had brandon bean on our daily show one bills live at the nfl combine recently and i asked him you know with your cap situation are you going to have to continue down the road of one-year contracts and he said that is probably an avenue we're going to have to pursue so i think we we all anticipate maybe two free agent offensive linemen being added on one-year deals unless they find some you know quality offensive lineman in free agency that can be had for a reasonable price maybe then it's a two or a three-year deal you know like a Ben Powers for example from the Ravens I think that's more unlikely and I think Brandon Bean continues operating on the one-year contract end of things when it comes to offensive line free agents and then I think the priority is Find somebody that's going to compete to start right out of the shoot 
in the draft. And to do that, you usually have to draft a little bit higher. So you're probably talking round one or one round two right. uh, for an offensive lineman. Next on the list is wide receiver. Buffalo has Jamison Crowder, Jake Kumaro as free agents. But I think there was an overwhelming feeling, Steve, that the production in the passing game shouldn't have been such a heavy lift, particularly in the second half of the season. Isaiah McKenzie did not sufficiently fill the slot receiver role. Gabe Davis had similar production to his previous two seasons, but the expectations for him to be more, in the words of Brandon Bean, were too high, in his opinion. So additions and upgrades there seem to be the order of the day. But receiver in free agency is expensive. So what is the best course of action there? Free agent signing, draft, or trade, receiver position. Go. Yeah, I think draft. I, I think you can get some really good, a good player in, you know, uh, in the mid-rounds of this draft. Teams have been doing it all around the league on a consistent basis. There's no reason the Bills can't do that as well. Um, free agency, okay, I get it. If Jamison Crowder wants to come back, we'd love to have him. He was really playing pretty well in, early in the season before he went down early. Week uh, four. Yeah, so – he was just coming into his own. I thought, man, I went back and watched some of those early games in the season, and he had he had some he was stuff. open. He had some gas in the tank. Uh, I liked where he was headed, and I can't. You kind of lost track of that as the season wore on. You forgot about Jamison Crowder and how good he was. Jake Kumaro is always a guy that seems to come in and have the occasional catch. He's certainly a contributor on special teams. He's a big body. Plus, he can come in as a slot receiver and block really well in the run game, although he becomes a little predictable in that place because he always comes on, blocks for a running play, that kind of thing. He's a good player that I think the Bills would love to keep and may be able to do that at a reasonable price. Right. I think your Jamison Crowder point is well taken. If he is healthy and back from the ankle injury and looks good, doesn't have a hitch in his step like he did at the end of the season when he re-entered the practice setting. He's, yeah, he's trying to while get still back. on IR. He just was not going to make it. He had a hitch it. in, his, in yeah. his giddy up there. If that's gone and he looks good, you could have him at a really affordable price. He played last year, one year, $4 million. You might be able to get him for the same, maybe less, coming off an injury-riddled season where he missed 13 games. So that's an option especially if you're in a budget crunch with salary cap space. If you have a little bit more space than you thought you did because you're able to restructure some contracts and really help yourself, I would entertain Robert Woods. Now, there's a guy that played at a $10 million price tag last year in Tennessee, had a productive season with bad quarterback play. He's 32 now. Maybe you could get him here for less than that. Maybe you get him on a $6 million deal or a $7 million deal. For one year, I would entertain that. Robert Woods is a quality player, and he solves your blocking in the run game issue at wide receiver as well. He's the best wide receive blocking wide receiver I've seen in Buffalo in a long time. That part of his game has not gone away, so I would entertain that as well. But I think this is a both answer. I, I think you got to get a guy like a Robert Woods or a Jamison Crowder in free agency, and then find someone probably on day two of the draft in the second or the third round, who, if he can't help you right now, you like him and his growth potential to maybe help you second half of the season. You know, maybe even more so than we saw from Khalil Shakir last year. Yeah, and now there's going to be some players who kind of get in the middle of that. They always do in the draft. Um, You know, like Bernard, the linebacker that the Bills took last year. In the third round. in the third round, it's like he was just too good at that point not to take. Really didn't need a linebacker at that point. Yeah. He made the team, contributed on special teams. But, you know, <laughs> you, that gets in the way of taking a guy like a receiver or, or a, an offensive guard or somebody at, a, at one of the need positions we're talking about. Plus, 
by the time we get there, these needs aren't going to be so pronounced because you're going to have some guys in-house. I'm with you on the on the Robert Bobby Trees thing, the Robert Woods. That guy can play. He's got the right attitude. He was a true professional even when the Bills drafted him back in the day. Now he's been had a really nice career. Uh, whether he would come back, do not know. But you're right. That's the kind of player you want, a guy who's got the right attitude, who's going to keep it engaged throughout an 18-week season and come through in the clutch, clutch spots. Plus, Robert Woods would be a really good guy for Khalil Shakir to spend some time with, uh, Gabe Davis to spend some time with, mm-hmm. watch that guy work. Now, not that Steph Diggs isn't that example, but when you see another guy come in and do the same thing and be and that kind of guy. he's done it for a long time. That, I mean, he's that's a 10-year vet now. That sets a precedent and an, and an atmosphere in the wide receiver room that could benefit the younger guys. On the defensive side of the ball, there could be a sizable hole at middle linebacker if the asking price for Tremaine Edmonds is north of $15 million a season, which seems somewhat likely. Some, all you need is one team to really like him and throw a boatload of cash at him, and thanks for coming. So a running mate for Matt Milano. Should it be a free agent veteran, promote from within, or a draft choice? Uh, I think you're going to look at your own linebacking room first and because you'll know what you have there. You're going to look in there and say, okay, what do we got here? Is, you know, is Bernard going to step up? Is, you know, is uh, Dotson going to step up? You know, some of these guys. are, are Balin Specter. Balin Specter. What do these guys look like? And even if they're not ready, but if we plug them in and go with them, how bad is it going to be? How much of a drop-off will there be? That's a question you got to answer. Then, on the free agent market, and this is where I, I see um, s- them being able to make hay, is because as much as the Bills are in a position where they got like 22 UFAs, unrestricted free agents, a lot of other teams are as well. Yes. There's going to be some guys that can There's a big pool play. of linebackers. Yeah, there's a big pool out there. So I think that's where you kind of begin as well. See, first of all, who have you got that you love in your room that you want to give a shot to? And then go out and see, okay, here's what – there are guys out there who have played this position. Let's grab one or two or three of those guys at a reasonable price and sift through them. Yeah, I, I like your growth mindset with the young guys in the pipeline. You, you drafted two linebackers last year. Right. But they were taken in round three and round seven. In a go-for-it year, I don't, know if I, want to, I don't know if I'm ready to hitch my wagon to that as a starting guy calling my defense. So I think I'm going the veteran free agency route. If I can't afford Edmonds, Here's another I'm looking at a guy like Al Singleton from Denver. Going to turn 30 this year. He's not going to cost you as much as Tremaine Edmonds. You can probably get him for somewhere between 8 to $10 million a year. And he's an ultra-productive player and played in a very successful defense last year in Denver. That was the one thing that was right in Denver last year, their defense. I wouldn't mind taking a shot at Singleton if I can't get Edmonds. You start that guy... And then you push the young kids behind him. Hey, you want to play? Play like this guy. That kind of thing. That's the approach that I would probably take at middle linebacker. Uh, Perhaps the largest positional hole on the roster, Steve mentioned it, is safety. Sure, Jordan Poyer is a free agent, but so too is Jaquan Johnson and Dean Marlowe. And Cam Lewis is a restricted free agent. Add in the fact that DeMar Hamlin's playing status is currently up in the air for 2023. And it's just Micah Hyde at safety with Christian Benford possibly making a position switch this offseason. So what is your plan there, Stephen A. Tasker? Yeah, I think you got to hit it on all cylinders. I mean, I think this coaching staff really values that position. 
even more so, I think, than middle linebacker. They like middle linebacker because they want a lead dog out there to call the plays, talk to the guys, get guys motivated and all that. But if you want some guys that can change the way a game goes, I think this coaching staff believes that the safety position is as important as the corner position. They need guys back there who can get in a quarterback's head, confuse him, and cover a lot of ground. So I think this is one position and it's, it's amazing, too, because, like you said, there's one guy standing back there. they got to hit this and get it right. I think this is the most crucial element to the defensive side of the ball for this coaching staff because of the, the importance they place on their secondary. Yes, and so, again, if you can't afford Poyer because he costs too much, see what you can do with other players that may not cost quite as much on the veteran free agent market. A guy like Adrian Amos with the Green Bay Packers. Versatile enough to cover people. Has had a very successful career, but might only cost you $7 million instead of 10 11 or $12 million. That's an option. Uh, Von Bell, I don't know if he has the versatility you're looking for, the free agent in Cincinnati. But they've got two of their starting safeties that are free agents. There's no way they can sign both of them back. And they might even not be able to re-sign Bates, who might be priced out of their price range. He was their franchise player last year. Bates is going to be even more expensive than Poyer because he's only 26 years old. Von Bell's 28, a little bit younger than Poyer, not as gifted as Poyer. Maybe he's somebody you can afford. I just don't think for a team going for the Super Bowl, Steve, you could say, ah, we'll just have Micah Hyde and uh, Christian Benford who's only played there in a limited capacity in college, we'll play him there at the NFL level. He'll be fine. We'll be good. Right. You've got to get a veteran there. And then if you want to draft one, day three maybe early, go ahead and do that. But you've got to get a veteran in that spot to pair up uh, with thing. Micah Hyde, as I see. Here's a problem the Bills have, and it's inherent in the drafting process anyway. They only got six picks this year. Yeah. They got six guys. So, <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's why I wonder, too, you're sitting at 27. Right. And Brandon Bean's done this. Let's say you got six guys on your board or eight guys on your board that you like all in that range of 27. Why not slide out and go to the top of round two for somebody that's hungry to come up and maybe get get somebody they like, get an extra 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 five, you know, something like that? I wouldn't rule that out either. No, I wouldn't. Um, And I wouldn't rule out, and we may talk about this in a minute, you know, there might be a guy on the Bills roster who they're willing to let go of for draft picks, who who they feel like, you know, like I'm not I haven't heard him, but like Ed Oliver, if they can, he's got one year left on his deal. The Bills are trying to revamp. He's got a $10 million cap hit, and he's got a high upside. And if he needs a fresh fresh start, if the Bills could get a draft pick or two for him or conditional pick, if he goes in and he hits it well and they sign him to an extension, the draft pick improves next year. Um, or you get one this year and maybe a conditional next year because he's a hot top ten pick. So guys like that who have who you know have a, a cap hit plus you feel like you might be able to get something yeah. for them. That's it's if you want to weigh the draft picks and what they're worth to to other teams out there. You mentioned defensive tackle. It's somewhat of a hidden positional need for Buffalo. Jordan Phillips is a free agent. I think he wants to come back, but what does that cost? And, you know, you look also, if he's re-signed, okay, the need is lessened. But GMs always have to look ahead, too. Ed Oliver, as you mentioned, final year of his contract. 
so too are Tim Settle and Daquan Jones. Right. They're both entering the last year of their contract in 2023. What's the play there? Yeah, I think you ride it out through this offseason, and you start talking to those guys immediately as soon as you start getting an inkling about what the cap's going to be in 2024. Um, I think, and we've talked about it, I think that the cap is going to spike in 24. And that means you're going to have a little bit more breathing room to kind bring of spike this, guy. this year, right? It, yes, it did 16 million, so it's up about it's up about you know 20 percent, 12 percent, I think. Yeah, it's like that's well, it's said. not 12 because it's 200 and it went up to 240 from 208. 224, 224. It's up to 224 from 208, so it went up 16 million, which is about eight percent. So that I think it's going to go up at double that next year. Wow. I think that percentage. I think it'll go up at least 15% next year, 16%. Okay. Uh, because of all the things that happened because of COVID. They borrowed against future cap years in order to keep the cap from dropping out under $175 million. And they've taken care and of now that now. And now they've paid that back. That. They've squared that up. Now, next year, the new TV money is there, and they're out of debt from the COVID year they took. So I think all that money gets thrown back in. I, I don't know. I'm I'm – I'm writing with crayons here right now from what we know about the cap. But I think that's what you do. You kind of ride this out and see where this cap's going to go in 2024. Then you address guys who you would really love to be in the building at a longer term. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's not the way I operate. I always like to plan ahead. So for me, I'm re-signing Jordan Phillips, who I think played well when he was oh, healthy. Oh, I would agree with that. I re-signed Jordan Phillips. I would Phillips agree with that, yes. For this year. Um, and then day three, if I got a defensive tackle that I like, you know, a try-hard guy. Maybe he's got a little bit more athleticism than you thought you'd find in the fifth round. Give me somebody. Give me a guy I can work with and develop. I, I would draft one and re-sign Jordan Phillips and, and go that route. That's how I would do yeah. it. You can make an argument for a couple of other positions, running back. they got to take care of backup quarterback again. But the way they filled those in the past couple of years seems pretty straightforward. On to the numbers game, where we will quiz Steve on last year's roster build <laughs> and whether Brandon Bean used more free agents or more draft choices or trades to fill positional holes at a given position. Steve, right. are you ready? I am so ready. Now, so it's clear we count only new free agents in the tally here between free agency and the draft. So if Buffalo re-signed their own free agent last year, that doesn't count towards the total that oh. you're trying to assess oh, here. Geez, yeah. Okay, so wide receivers, Steve. I can't even remember what the logo on the helmet looks like, let alone what their free agent. Well, that's right, why this we could go. prove to be very fun here we go. for everybody else except you. Go. Wide receiver, last offseason, did Buffalo sign more free agents or draft more receivers? All right, so you're telling so that means Cole Beasley doesn't count. No. Right? The, okay. In the general free agent season, the spring, you know. Did they sign? All right. Crowder. Was uh, Kumaro wouldn't count because he was already here. Yep. They drafted. I'm going to say they. I'm going to say they drafted more. It's a trick question. It was a tie. Oh, God. They it starts with a trick question. They tied. No wonder I look like an idiot. <laughs> oh, you you assessed it perfectly though. It was one and one. Right. Shakir got drafted in round five. Crowder signed in free agency. All right. On to okay. the defensive line. More free agents signed, or did they draft more? Defensive oh, they, line. They signed more free agents. Absolutely. That yeah. was a layup for yeah. you. See, I gave you a hard time on the first one. I give you right. a layup on the second right. one. That was easy. Five. 
yeah. signed in free agency. It was the biggest turnover at any position That's last offseason for Buffalo. Von Miller, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Daquan Jones, Shaq Lawson. Yeah. Crazy. Great stuff. Third one, linebacker. More free agents or more draft choices? Draft choices. Specter, Bernard, and then out of the free agents, there might not have been any. Yeah, you're correct. Two drafted. There were no free agent linebacker signings until the season already got underway, and they brought A.J. Klein back right. after he got released by Chicago. All right, let's move to the offensive line. More free agent signings or more draft choices? Kessenberry, Saffold. No, it's got to be free agents. It is free agents. The answer is four in total. Yeah. Greg Van Roten, Greg Manns, mm-hmm. David Questenberry, Roger Saffold, only one in the draft. Luke Tenuta, who is didn't make with, the roster. Yeah, he's with yeah, he's with another team I want to say he went to India or yes, Chicago. Yes, I think you're right. I think he's with Chicago. And the last one, Steve. Right, here we go. Running back. More free agents or more draft choices? Well, they traded for Hines. That doesn't that doesn't count because it was so late in the season. He doesn't count. They drafted Cook. They intend it. Uh, I think it's. I think that might be a tie too, right? It is a tie, Steve. But I, can you name I the running back? Brilliant. Can you name the running back in free agency? Uh, that is the question. It was. I will be impressed if you get this. Traded Moss for Hines, Cook. Singletary. There's another one in there somewhere. I, I'll never get it. Duke Johnson. Oh, God. I should have got, got that. That was hard. He wasn't on the I roster all got year. I should have got that. But you did pretty well there in the numbers game, all things considered, I going a that. year into the past from where we are now. We predicted what Buffalo's focus would be at their perceived need positions. We now take a closer look at the draft options at some of those need positions with NFL draft expert Dane Brugler from The Athletic right now. All right, Dane, so let's begin here. Naturally, like every other fan base, they're obsessed with their team's first-round pick. For Mm -hmm. the Bills, that's at 27. Primary needs, at least perceived by outside observers and probably Steve and I as well. O-line, wide receiver for Buffalo. What is the likelihood that that need matches up with value at the end of round one, thinking about what might come in front of them. I'm really interested to see how these receivers come off the board, how early. Uh, you know, last year we saw, what, six go in the top 25? Right. This group is not last year's group. No. Um, but it's, you know, there's still some quality receivers, and we know teams, they want they want playmakers. And so where does a Jordan Addison go? Uh, a guy like Quentin Johnson from TCU who's supremely talented, but – raw as a wide receiver where does he end up going so i'm really interested to see how many receivers go in that top 25 um i i I don't know that any of them are locks to go that high i think we will see some go that high whether it's addison or johnson or smith and jigba but i wouldn't call any of them locks just because there's questions about all these guys yeah and Uh, and some of the questions start with you know size some of these guys the size like the guy from tcu's got it Got all that right. stuff, but he's got questions. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other guys seem, wow, this guy's really good, but he's, he weighs like five pounds, right? I mean, <laughs> he's like a little guy. Right? And what's he going to do against press in the NFL? Right. Can he play outside? Um, and, 
you know, if you're looking for strictly a slot receiver, okay, well, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba can do that. You know, he's he might lead the league in targets next year uh, because he's he's that good of a player. Now he's not gonna he's not a, gonna be a four three guy, but uh, he's one of the best route runners in this draft, maybe the best route runner. Uh, I mean, CJ Stroud will tell you straight up, he's he's the best route runner he's ever played with, mm-hmm. uh, which is saying something considering he played with Olave and uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Wilson last year. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but he's probably a slot-only player. Uh, Jared, uh, Jordan Addison, uh, who I, I think, he, you know, for me, he's my top receiver. Can he play across the formation? Can he be a true three-level threat at the next level? That's where I think it, not every team might be right. 100% confident on that and have the same answer. So it's a really interested wide receiver group that I've heard from a lot of teams saying, hey, we'll wait for the second round. Right. That's, you know, I... We, we feel good about getting a Zay Flowers, a Tyler Scott, a Cedric Tillman in the second round where we don't have to you know, press the issue in the first. We'll go for that offensive lineman or corner, whoever that is. So, so where, is, where is the sweet spot, do you think, for the wide receiver class in terms of the value is best here for the wide receiver class this year? Well, and I think it depends on where we see that run start. Because if, if that receiver run starts in the 20s and all of a sudden there's four receivers off the board before the Bills pick, then it's like, oh, okay, well, it's starting a little bit earlier than we thought. Yeah. So ideally, I think your late one, early two, I think is when you think it might happen. But teams are desperate for playmakers. Yeah, and, right. you know, the, the idea of what Quentin Johnston could be, that might be enticing for a team that's looking for that type of receiver. So it, it's really hard to answer that. When you get there... Part of the thing that makes this these runs start is what those teams perceive their needs to be as mm-hmm. they get into this draft. So when you get into the 20s and you've got some teams that have a gap at wide receiver or a gap in a slot receiver, that says as much about you know when that run starts as anything. Plus, you know there's always a little, there's going to be a little shuffling at the top of the draft probably because of the right. quarterbacks. Some of these teams get kicked down, so they may not have been there. But because now they're picking at 17 instead mm-hmm. of, you know, 8 or 9, their needs change. And it's, I think it's really important to point out that, you know, the receivers are all in one bucket. But if we want to be specific, they're all different with what they offer. I mean, a slot receiver is different than an outside receiver. Uh, you know, all these guys have different roles in what they'll play. So for, you know, certain teams, a guy like Quinton Johnson or Jordan Addison or Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee – they're going to be viewed very differently uh, because of what they offer. So even though all these receivers are in the same bucket, not they're not going to be for every team. And right. you know, a team like the Bills will be looking for something specific that's different than you know a, another team that might be looking at receiver at that point. Looking at the safety class, Dane, it's kind of a hidden need for the Bills mm. because the only two players they have under contract right now are Micah Hyde, who's in the last year of his deal, mm-hmm. and Demar Hamlin, whose status on playing is completely up in the air right now. Right. What is your assessment of the safety class as a whole? And, and is there value that can be had, maybe not necessarily for a, a front-line plug-and-play safety, but someone that can grow into a starting role? Can that be had you know, late on day two or early day three? Yeah, and I, I think that is going to be the sweet spot. More talking about third round. Um, you know, I think Brian Branch is the best safety in this group, but even he's more of a nickel. That's, that's what he does best. He played that star position at Alabama you know, that Minka Fitzpatrick played. Um, I, I mean, I think he can play across the secondary, but you want him in that nickel. Uh, and then after that, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M is a good player. Uh, Jair Brown from Penn State is my top senior safety. I, in my top 100 a couple weeks ago, he was right around pick 60. So, you know, I think that late two, early three is where Jair Brown comes off the board. Um, I, I like Jordan Battle in that third-round range. You know, he's 
I, I'm eager to see how he tests here because he's not a supreme athlete. Yeah. But if he runs a four five, that's all you need, you know. I, for a safety, I, I think he's a smart player. He can come down in the box. Um, he played a lot of snaps for uh, for Nick Saban over there in Tuscaloosa, and he's a big special teams player too. So Jordan Battle in the third round, I, I think that's that's where you're looking at a, a, a range where you can realistically get a safety that can come in and contribute as a rookie. Give us an idea too, as you know, as this draft tumbles what do you think are going to be some sort of, i've read some of your stuff online which is mm-hmm. you got some guys like running backs are always a problem nobody wants to take one in the first round until saquon barkley or this guy Bijan robinson right. pops up what are your thoughts on that and where those guys might fall because Bijan robinson has been mocked to the bills like a thousand <laughs> times already and i think that's honestly that's a case of mock drafters not knowing where to put Bijan robinson right because uh, I, I when i do a mock draft i find myself in the same predicament uh, there's not that obvious spot where a team clearly needs a running back, and you know the 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 way the team thinks and the way the needs are, it just doesn't line up perfectly. And so, yeah, the Bills, yeah, sure, you know that makes sense. You know, the, you think about adding, dropping a guy like Bijan in that offense, it'd be fun uh, to see him because I think. Bijan is, as a pass catcher, forget the running back route tree. He runs a wide receiver route tree. So as a pass catcher, he really helps you out. But he can run between the tackles. He's elusive with power and make you miss skills. So that being giving you those different abilities to beat you, being a multidimensional threat, really makes him a special back. Um, but I think one of the things working against Bijan Robinson is just the depth of this running back class. You, look, you, you feel comfortable waiting till the third round and getting someone that's going to help you. Uh, you know, I, I think after Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, in my opinion, is a, he's a first-round talent all day. We'll, we'll see where he ends up. But then after that, between the mid-second and, say, the early fourth, there's like 12 running backs that you could see going in that range. You know, a guy like Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, uh, Tank Bigsby, Auburn, Zach Evans, Ole Miss. I mean, we can go on and on, all these running backs that are in that group. So, you know, it, it, you have to really look at it and say, okay, the, the value of Bijan Robinson in the first, what he would bring to our offense, or do we go for the offensive lineman here? Do we wait until the third round, still pick up a really good running back? So, you know, I, I think every team's going to look at that a little differently. Your favorite, just to wrap this up, your favorite interior O-lineman that can offer you some position flex mm-hmm. that can be had either at the bottom of round one or somewhere in round two. Just guys that can play guard center or tackle guard that you think, you know, have some athleticism to offer. They're not just guard only. You know, right, that right. And that's, you know, Osiris Torrance is probably the best <laughs> guard in this draft. But he, he's a guard only. Yeah. Um, Steve Avila from TCU is probably next. He, he played some center, so you think there's some versatility there. But I think he's best at guard. But if you're looking for real versatility, Cody Mock uh, from North Dakota State, who reminds me a lot of Mitch Morse, okay. uh, a, a guy that played left tackle in, in college, but you, the way his body is built, the way he uh, sees the game, the way he moves, I, 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 he might be the best center from this class when it's all said and done. Wow. How, uh, how, how do you evaluate guys like Cody Mock, who maybe mm-hmm. didn't play at a Power 5 school? And like, I always use this line where he's playing against you know economics majors he is. in college. At, well, you know what I mean? So how do you know how good he can be at this level. And obviously there, like there, there's projection there, you know, a little bit of right. leap of faith. But, you know, we did see him at the Senior Bowl uh, go up against some pretty good talent. I thought he more than held his own there. Um, and he's a guy who's a, a walk-on tight end. So, you know, he's always a guy that's been counted out. I, I think he's he, he has no uh, delusions that he's going to come in and dominate. He knows he's going to have to work. And um, everything, getting to know him a little bit and his mentality, the way that he attacks things, 
I, I feel really good that he's going to come in, compete. And, uh, he, you know, at the Senior Bowl, he's, this is a left tackle in, in college. At the Senior Bowl, he said, play me wherever you want. Oh, the scouts want to see me at center? All right, let's take some center rep. Yeah. I've, I've never played center, but you know what? Let's try center. Oh, guard? Yeah, let's move in at guard. He just wants to go out there and compete. So the mentality is right. I think the, 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 his intelligence and the way he moves. So put all those together, I think, you know, versatility. And, and again, I see Mitch Morse with uh, the way he plays. Yeah. Listen, Dane, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for more of your work coming up on the Athletic. More mock drafts to come before we get there, right? That's right. And then ultimately the, the, the draft guide will come out first week in April. And uh, so people Yeah, the beast. It. That's it. The <laughs> beast. We're subscribers. Thanks awesome. very much, Dane. Thanks, Appreciate Dane. it. Anytime. Thanks, guys. As we begin our closing segment, we remind you that we are brought to you by FanDuel, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Download the app today and make every moment more. The app is easy and simple to use with generous promotions offered every day, safe and secure with the best in-class customer service, and your winnings paid out in as little as two hours. We turn our focus now to our one burning question, which deals with the two highest-profile free agents on Buffalo's roster, Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer. The question is, do the Bills re-sign both, one, or none? Um, I th- Boy, I don't know if they can do either one uh, at the current moment. Certainly they'd love to have both of them, and they probably made a, a, at least a cursory offer to both of them. But both of them are probably they're too smart to say, listen, I've got to test the waters. The only way to, you know, hit it big financially in the NFL is to hit free agency and these guys are both hitting it at a time when they are really really playing well now certainly Jordan Poyer at 32 is you know it's a different story than Tremaine Edmonds Tremaine Edmonds is going to hit a home run there's just no two ways about it he is going to hit a home run financially and the Bills have no chance of matching that in their current financial state he Tremaine Edmonds is 25 six-year veteran in the National Football League and he just went to the Pro Bowl um, and probably had his best season. Yes, and he is continuing, as Bills fans know this, through five years he's gotten better and better and better and better and better. This was probably his the year he came out. And, and he's polarizing. He's been polarizing since day one because they want, you know, most fans want more from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way this defense was called and the way it's structured, he did exactly what the Bills asked him to do, and he did it extremely well. He may have been, if not the best, one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL this past year. That means a lot in a throwing league. Yes, it does. So I would agree with you. There's no way it's both. I don't see how they could create enough cap space to even entertain that with all the other things they have to do. They can get in the ballpark with Poirier because of his age, and nobody's going to give him a a five-year, $80 million contract. Right. So it's closer there. I tend to think he's looking for at least a two-year deal because he said at training camp last year, I think I could play three more good years in the league. He's not taking a one-year deal from anybody. If he can get a multi-year deal, I think that's even more attractive, even if the average annual value is a hair lower than what a one-year deal could potentially give him. So I don't see the Bills doing that with a 32-year-old safety and certainly not at a price tag north of $10 million a year. So I think they look for a more affordable option there. And I think Edmonds is out of their price range. I don't think. I think it's none. I think it's none. Yeah. And while some people might see that as catastrophic, I don't. I trust Brandon Bean to find viable replacements, probably on the veteran free agent market that are more affordable, and then he'll backfill with bargain free agents and maybe even a draft choice at safety 
as well. And then the transition ensues with Benford, and he learns on the job not starting. Right. To me, that's kind of the best outcome for, I agree. for those two positions. Um, our closing figure, Steve, deals with pick number 27 in the NFL draft, the one held by the Bills this year by virtue of the forfeited pick of the Miami Dolphins. So the Bills don't pick 28th now, they pick 27th. Since 2010, the most popular position chosen with the 27th pick in round one was a tie between cornerback and safety with three apiece, including Tredavious White in 2017 by the Bills. Next in line, linebacker and wide receiver, two apiece, including last year's 27th overall pick, Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd by Jacksonville. Guard, running back, defensive tackle, pulled up the rear with one selection each. Each of the last two times the Bills held the 27th pick, they picked a cornerback. Jordavius White, as we mentioned, and Jeff Burris back in 1994. Does it mean anything? Probably not. But talking to those in the know at the Combine, Steve, it appears that the two need positions for Buffalo, receiver and interior offensive line, are expected to offer good value near the bottom of round one. Finally! A Bills positional need could match up with where they pick in round one. They're going to get a chance to get a really good interior offensive lineman or really good safety. They're going to they're going to have a shot at receiver. A receiver. Um, They're going to have a really good shot at getting a player who is going to make a difference for them this year. Um, Because of the positional strengths of this draft and the depth in those spots and where the Bills are picking, they may get the exact guy they want. I mean, or uh, need more or importantly, need, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think it's it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a really good spot for them to get a a, um, a player that they covet. The, you know, the way these players fall, I mean, it's totally random. About you know, it's a random that they pick corners and safeties at the twenty seventh pick because the, every draft's different, every team's needs are different every year. So, having said that, I, I expect I think the more interesting aspect of that would be how often do those 27th picks play in their first year in the league for the team that picks them that would be and that's hard to get down in the root of because there's so many things that are affected injuries depth schedule all of that stuff so um the bills are going to get a really good player and they're going to probably get more than one in this draft but they only get six guys yeah that's that's disappointing in a year where you, you thought, man, oh, man, would, it would be really nice to get some people. Out. I don't care. I still think it's exciting to think about. And you think about this, too, Steve. The last couple of years when they've had eight picks, they've had to put two or three of them on their practice squad, and they get pilfered away by yeah. other teams. Yeah. So six picks may not be a bad thing, and knowing their position needs could line up with where they pick is very exciting to think about. That'll do it for this edition. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you're notified when the next episode drops. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Everybody.